This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. My name is Angela, and welcome. I'd like to add my warmest welcome to Elisa's awesome welcome. Good morning. Uh, We are, she's right, it's part two of uh, uh, six things that kids need over time. And as I was praying through today and what we would talk about, these are six things we need over time. I mean, kids are just many yeses, right? And our human needs don't change. So I was totally convicted. In fact, I've got my reading list up here on one of the things we're going to talk about today. I hope that today, one, that I can help you catch up with whatever you might have missed last week, but also that today hits two parts of your heart space. The part that is pulling for that girl in that video and the next generation that we are looking to empower. But I also hope in your own heart space, there is a tug for, I deserve these things. I need these things. I'm going to fuel my life with these things, these six things over time. So this morning... We are hitting four, five, and six, but we will do a little recap. But in order to learn best, I think it's great if you have a picture in your head. So we're actually going to start out. It's going to be kind of interactive today. I promise it's all voluntary. I promise I will not call on you. But I would like to start with a picture in our heads. So one, if you're comfortable closing your eyes, we're going to do a little visualization right now. If you're not comfortable, I would pull out uh, Elisa's friend, the note sheet, and doodle as we go, because we're going to take just a minute to to picture what we're talking about. So I'm going to close my eyes because I'm comfortable. Uh, Pull out your note sheet and doodle if you'd like. But I'd like you to get a face in your mind's eye of a kid that you know personally, somebody in your immediate world. If you're a parent, you're welcome to pick one of your kids, or you're welcome to pick another kid if that is easier. But I want you to get a clear picture in your head of that face. If it's a preschooler, then they're looking up at you. If it's a middle schooler, they're maybe looking eye to eye. If they're a high schooler, lots of them are uh, towering over me these days. I want you to get a clear enough picture of that face that you've got them at the right height. You can picture their eye color, their hair color. You can picture them smiling. You can picture their skeptic face. Like, get that picture in your mind. And then I want to fast forward to an older version of that same kid. And this, you know, future version of that kid. I want you to picture what they look like when they have a deep and rich shared history with you, where you could say, remember the time we, where you can say, I remember when you were just blank years old and you were totally blank. I want you to picture that future version of that kid and they have a deep and resilient sense of worth. They know themselves. They know their place. They know their significance. And I want you to picture that future tense of that kid who has a solid sense of direction. Not the kind of direction where they know exactly the career path and the college path that they're going to take, but the kind of sense of direction that even when life throws them a curveball, they don't veer off course. Like, they know where they're going in life. I want you to picture that person, that future version, 
who has a worldview that is they are part of a global citizenship and they hold deep empathy for people. They know how to express compassion. They know how to express their own emotions. They know how to walk in somebody else's shoes. I want you to picture that future version of that kid belly laughing, like letting it roll. There's a certain belly laugh. We all have a laugh that when we try to suppress it, it just flies out anyway. What's that version? But they know how to have fun and let loose and are so comfortable in their skin that something like a belly laugh is totally comfortable. And you're sharing it together. Do you have a picture? I can't ask you to nod because my eyes are closed because I'm picturing. Do you have a picture? Can you picture that? Okay, I got some. I got some. Okay, so today you can open your eyes or you can still doodle if you want to. Today, as we talk about these six things over time, when I picture what that looks like, I think, oh my word, what kind of an employee is that future kid? What kind of citizen? What kind of friend? What kind of parent? Somebody that has those perspectives and those values and that kind of bedrock in them. What kind of a future? It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's limitless. It's fantastic. I think our world, if you put a room full of that kind of person together, man, those people are making an impact. Those people are making a splash at their jobs. Those people are inventing. Those, it's a stunning thing. And our world needs that kind of person. I think our world needs our voices into the next generation in a serious way. But I get into conversations sometimes where I think we get a little bit where we feel like, well, these kids these days, they're always on their phones, right? Right? We get a little that way, like these kids. I don't think the next generation needs our voices in, our, in their worlds to fix them. I think the next generation needs our voices in their worlds to empower them to raise them up, to set a foundation underneath them where they can walk through life with this sense of direction and worth and perspective. I think it is everybody's responsibility. When I picture those kids, and it's probably because I'm a little bit biased since I'm not a parent, that I think it takes a whole community. I'm telling you, it takes a whole community because I really want to say in the next generation, I really want to be part of the voices that empowers the next generation. And when I picture citizens like that, they have a myriad of voices in their lives, a variety of voices speaking into their worlds. And I want us, this community, to be those voices. The, the teaching series that we're in is called One Voice, We Can Do More Together. And the intent is that if together we will talk about these six things that kids need over time, then families can be infusing these six things, but the influencers around those families can be, can be pushing in as well. And I love the fact that all six of these things increase in their influence in kids' lives over time. So Ron last week covered that time together over a span of time 
creates a shared history, and there's a boatload of power in that. The words over time, not just one time saying, I love you, I think you're incredible, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with your life, but that words over time produce a sense of solid direction, and that love over time repeatedly demonstrated, repeatedly said, very comfortably shared, love over time produces a sense of worth. And that's true peer-to-peer. That's one of those things that is like, gosh, there's nothing on that list I don't need from the people in my world. My empowerment comes from those things, from a myriad of voices into my life, that those three things build a foundation. And we're going to talk about three more today, but all six of these gain momentum. Ron talked about the flywheel, that at first it's like you push. You push. Is anybody watching the Titan Games? Let's get a scene pop. No. Dwayne The Rock Johnson put on a TV show that you're not watching? <laughs> All right. Well, the Titan Games, there's part of it where they have to push over a 1,000-pound wall, and the men do it one way, and the women competitors do it a different way. Watching the women is so flipping exciting to me. I just love it. But they have to run at it with their full body weight, but they have to rock it. They cannot get a 1,000 pounds over in one fell swoop. Ron talked about a flywheel that you push and you push and you push and it's like, mm, is anything happening here? And then a flywheel starts to roll and it gains its own momentum because it's so heavy. Same thing, Titan Games, guy. I highly recommend it. We have beautiful stories. Anyway, all six of these things gain power over time. Time is the consistent in each of these formulas of influence. And God created uh, these things to speak to a deep part of us. But they are, Ron said it last week, better caught than taught. And here we are teaching you. <laughs> Hopefully also modeling over the coming years. So our, our fourth thing we're going to talk about, the new one today, is that tribes and what tribes do over time. And a tribe is just a group of people that you share something in common with. It's not rocket science. You have all kinds of tribes in your world. I have just recently joined a soccer tribe and that's something, <laughs> that's something, I'm brand new to that sport, I'm out of shape, and I'm not terribly athletic, but that tribe and I are finding our way uh, through. And there's something powerful saying, I'm a soccer player. I feel more like I play soccer than I'm a soccer player, but they seem to be accepting me into the tribe anyway. <laughs> so, but tribes over time produce a sense of belonging. That's what they do. The thing that they share in common begins to be a title that we could wear on each other. I'm a new lifer, and I love it. That's part of my tribe. I'm a daughter. That speaks to my tribe. I would love to be part of the parenting tribe. I think you guys have an incredible tribe. As you swap stories and you have this sense of belonging, this is where I belong is the kind of value statement that come out of people that have strong tribes. These are my people. I am their loved one. Tribes over time produce a sense of belonging. And I believe God designed two key places where tribes happen, two institutions where tribes happen. One is family, and the other is church. These are incredibly powerful places to define your tribes. They're not the only tribes we belong to, but there's one key element in both of these things that I think was totally God's design. That the distinctive of these two tribes, different from the soccer team that you play on or the band that you play, actually, band might totally approve. You'll see as we go. But one of the key distinctives of these two things is this concept of grace. 
that yes, my soccer team, I totally whiffed a perfect goal uh, attempt. I mean, I literally missed the ball. And I had to scream, I'm so sorry, girls, I'm so sorry, as we're running to recover the lost ball. There's a certain amount of forgiveness in soccer. There's a certain amount of forgiveness in any tribe that you're part of. But there is something about tribes over time that are deep and rich, like family and church, where you are known, you are seen, you struggle together over time. And the demonstration of grace and forgiveness cements that tribe in a way that other kind of tribes cannot hold a candle to. And the more tribes that we belong to, the firmer our foundation over time. But these two institutions that God put together have this basis of grace in them. We struggle together. We fail together. We try together. We get back up. We forgive each other. In fact, there's a story that most people, whether you have a church background or not, know called the prodigal son. And it tells the story of a guy who had a brother, and they would have inherited their, fam their family's inheritance. But the younger brother said, I want mine now, and I'm out of here. And he abandoned his tribe in an incredibly disrespectful way and left for years and squandered the entire thing. And when he came to his senses in the middle of a famine while he was feeding pigs and contemplating eating their food, he realized, wait, I had a pretty good tribe. And I'm pretty sure if I went back there, I would be accepted back into that tribe. And the story is found in Luke. And it tells the story of a tribe who accepted him back in and threw a party. It wasn't even like, okay, you could come back in at the bottom level. It was like, you're back. Tribes that are based on grace do this kind of thing over and over. And that sense of belonging I also played volleyball in high school. Total disaster. I should not have done that first year. My freshman year played volleyball. I just got invited, and so I went for it. But I'm not competitive. And when we were crying at the end of the year over losing the tournament, it was like, this is not for me. What I did not know is that if I quit that tribe, I was out of the tribe. I don't know how many of you have been booted from a tribe, but I thought we were friends. We'd played volleyball together all year. But at the end of that year, when I quit the tribe... I had betrayed the thing that we have in common, and I didn't know it, and I was out. It's, these are the two institutions that over time prove over and over, you belong here. You belong here. You're one of us, and they're incredibly powerful over time. So tribes over time produce belonging, and I'd like to talk to three uh, uh, different groups of people that are in this room about how we might apply this concept of tribes. Rather than just keep adding things onto our plate, I'll do this and do that and do this, we're going to do an application a little bit different today because I believe we are already doing quite a bit of this stuff. If we'll just earmark it, then we can see over time we're making that effect that we want. So there's three groups of people in here. One, I'd like to speak to families. As we apply this tribe concept, I would like to talk about how Sundays and what you're doing here on Sundays is making a tribe for the next generation. I'm sure as we continue to increase and improve our next gen that your kids are going to start dragging you to church whether you like it or not. Because if they are getting a sense of tribe, they are loyal. Ah, can you all hear that? <laughs> They begin to develop a tribe here. They have a tribe in your family, but when your family comes to this tribe on a regular basis and interacts, 
it is a powerful effect. The other thing I would say is if you're not doing it yet, foster the friendships that they're developing in their various departments. Anything that you do to voluntarily spend time with the tribe that they meet on Sundays outside of Sundays has an incredibly powerful effect. So Sundays really matter and midweeks totally matter. Uh, something as simple as, hey, can we take your kid out to lunch and drop them off in the afternoon? Anything you can do to foster that sense of tribe here is incredibly powerful. For influencers that are outside of families, people like me, We've talked about it over and over, but voluntary time speaks volumes to this tribe mentality and to belonging. And then forgiveness. I don't know if you are intentional. Lots of times in relationships that are a little bit more shirt, uh, I don't know what that phrase is. Um, the proximity is a little further out. When things go awry, sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, we're okay, we're okay, and just move on with kids. We don't wanna make them feel uncomfortable. Think about the power of forgiving a kid. I know it doesn't always go well. Sometimes they snub you. Sometimes uh, they walk right by me in public. Like, well, here I am. <laughs> that forgiveness speaks volumes and stating forgiveness. We're good. We made it through that. I'm totally fine. Yes, it's us. We can make it through this bump. That's totally fine. Super powerful. For new life, that's one of the other, strategically as an organization, we are going to make serious shifts in this coming year to redo an emphasis inside of what we're doing on Sunday mornings, as well as using a schedule in a, more diff in a different way on Sunday mornings to push on this tribe concept so that when your kid meets a kid at this tribe, they are already fostering friendships inside of what's happening on Sunday morning, so it is comfortable for you to do that voluntary time midweek. We are going to apply this concept strategically in order to have our two voices, or our 500 voices, working together to do more on this tribe's concept. So there's some ideas about tribe. The next thing, uh, oh, tribes over time produce belonging. Let me just toss one more thing in there. This morning we had a couple of kids in the lobby that were running and screaming, and it was pure joy. I mean, it was pure joy. Totally, you know, chaotic, but pure joy. What I was praying about this concept of tribes and what this voice, this myriad of, if you're worried about it being your kid, <laughs> Don't! I was standing back grinning like a fool at their lovely, we should come to church like that. I don't know if we had to scream our heads off, but they were so excited to be here. They, we could learn a thing or two. Um, I think that the most, the person who should feel the most welcome at this church is a toddler throwing a tantrum. Think about the power of meeting a kid in that moment. And you might not actually be interacting, simply just standing in solidarity with the family as they work their way through that or not judging them for that. I think one of the people that should feel the most welcome at this tribe in this church should be a Solon middle schooler. Hood up, arms crossed, not making eye contact. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you've got the guts for it, squatting down under where the eye contact is happening, be like, hey, oh my word, they're so annoyed. I mean, so annoyed. But it is communicating volumes. These are the people that I think should be feeling the most welcome here because of what it communicates when you meet somebody in that moment about being a tribe that is unconditional.
All right, tribes over time produce belonging. We're a super quick review. Time over time, it creates a shared history. Words over time gives a kid a sense of direction. Love over time produces a sense of worth. Tribes over time produce belonging. And stories over time produce perspective. Oh, stories. Something new happens when we invest in stories over time, strategically filling our lives with stories. Do not underestimate the power of stories. We might think that bedtime stories is just a ritual that we sort of slid into. Think about what happens when we, or kids, read a story about a heroine and then close that and go to bed and dream. What kinds of things cement in? Hollywood knows this. Pixar Pixar, who's crying in the two-minute video montaging up? Like sobbing in the silent um, music montage. They know the power of stories. We have so, what if we saw ourselves as story collectors and storytellers? Something new happens with stories over time. Family stories produce a very specific thing. They do the tribe concept. When you tell stories, remember the time we went on that vacation? Remember the time our car broke down? Remember the time we ate clementines in the uh, satsumas? It was satsumas in the back of a VW bug after we got into a car accident, and that was the only thing we had to eat, and it was dinner time, and we ate a case of satsumas waiting for the police to handle our little accident. What happens when families tell stories? Tribe is cemented, and an identity is cemented. How many of you feel like when your parent tells a story about your childhood, it just, something happens. Oh, I was like that. Oh, I love, I love that story. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Most of the time, that's how that ends up. But something happens in our identity when family stories are shared. When culture stories are shared, something totally unique happens there. We begin to develop a worldview, how the world works, where we fit in the world, how to interact with the world, what to expect when we get out into the adult world. Something new happens when stories are shared over time. The other thing that happens when culture sh stories are shared is empathy. Elise did a perfect example of that this morning, talking about her trip to Mexico. Having experienced a cultural interaction that she had never had before produced in her this sense of empathy. When we share stories over time, when we read stories over time, something wholly unrelated to that specific story happens. And Bible stories over time do something too. I don't know if you've ever thought about the powerful tool that God gave us in our imaginations. When we read the Bible and we see these stories of a God that is larger than life, that is interacting in a miraculous way, of heroes and heroines who are trying things that we could all, like, what? You, I'm sorry, you got into a pit with a lion? Like, I, what? These stories ignite imagination about a God that is utterly different than what we experience in the lives of each other as we interact. And it creates a narrative about God that is so powerful in our day-to-day -day lives when we read the day-to-day -day lives of other characters. Bible stories over time do an incredibly powerful thing. They cement for us the stories that we tell ourselves about God, our faith, values in life, how life works, who we are, 
and how, who other people are as well. They cement these things when they are told over time. Do not underestimate the power of story. And you're likely already engaging in this. This is just one like, hey, take good pride in that and enjoy it. Stories are everywhere in almost every industry. In um, sports, they do a ton of visualization. They pre-picture what they want to happen, the story that will unfold. It ignites imagination in all kinds of industries. They spend time dreaming about that. In the business world, they talk about BHAGs. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, but big, hairy, audacious goal. That's a story that you're telling about where you want to go. Jesus totally capitalized on this with parables. They were not true stories. They could have been true stories. They were just stories to help people visualize a concept or visualize a value system. Goals in and of themselves are stories that we tell ourselves that hold incredible power. True stories do something, but just in case, well, let's talk about true stories. They create empathy and a connection to God. But just in case you're thinking we can only read biographies to our kids and we can only read Bible stories to our kids, the power of fictional stories is just as powerful to create courage in people and the idea of what could be. For my personal journey, it, it, the, well, this is a true story, but I watched the Hollywood version called Hidden Figures. Did anybody else watch that story of the African-American uh, computers who were humans? I, that was a, what? <laughs> of course, they computed. They were called computers. <laughs> but before computers were a, a digital item, they were a whole team of people. And that story moved me in my own journey as I watched people do courageous things and believe in themselves when other people were not believing themselves. The power of what could be can be found in stories all over our fiction world. There is something that moves inside of our students and inside of us when we read characters like Frodo or Katniss Everdeen or Nancy Drew. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I totally thought of you. <laughs> Nancy Drew. The, the, uh, Harry Potter. These characters teach us things about ourselves, about character and integrity and the power of what could be in igniting our imagination. Stories invite kids into a larger narrative where they are designed to play a significant role. I love that bedtime story. So I'm just going to name off, I'm going to hammer this one. This is like, don't underestimate stories. Here's a couple other things they do. They constantly talk about the struggle between good and evil, the potential of a person. They constantly push to the existence of supernatural, even if it's not overtly about God. Reading a fictional story that pushes us into the supernatural frame of mind and the idea of miraculous power makes it easier for, easier for us to visualize a God that is supernatural and the possibility of what could be. They, it prepares kids to face whatever is coming as they watch characters face untenable odds. It prepares them to face whatever is coming. It compels them to take risks. It challenges them to do something significant with their lives because every book's character is pushing us in that way, either a cautionary tale of someone not doing that or a beautiful story of someone doing that. 
And then it moves them to believe that good will triumph over evil. These are narratives about life and self and God that are incredibly powerful even when you're reading fictional stories. Stories produce perspective over time. Stories over time produce perspectives. So as we talk about applying it, this was one that I was totally convicted in. Families, empower readers. Keep that bedtime routine going. Give them an extra 20 minutes to read. Well, you set your, you, you do what you want in parenting. Empower readers. Let them read. Read with them. Model reading. And then monitor your own stories. So I brought some of my storybooks here because the last couple of years has been an incredibly compelling time to monitor what stories I'm telling myself. The storyteller that is inside of my head has some things that she is trying to tell me that I don't agree with, but it's a compelling story in there. So I have purposefully brought books into my world that tell me the story that I need to hear. I like myself because I'm me. There's no one else I'd rather be. I like my fingers and my toes, my eyes, my... All right. Such a powerful book. It's a kid's book I found at Costco. But when I passed it and I fell in love with the character who loved herself, I monitored my own story. Some of us don't need to empower readers anymore. Some of us need to empower the storyteller inside of us and monitor our own stories. For the influencers, ooh, maximize sharing. Share what you're learning. Share the stories of what you did. I tried a mud bath for the first time this week. Anybody done an old school mud bath? Mortifying and delightful at the same time after you get completely over whatever sense of ego that you had. Seriously, people, you got to try it, but woo, dare greatly in the process. <laughs> um, sharing that story with a teenage girl as I worked my way through my body issues, insanely powerful. Insanely powerful. And it's a silly story about a mud bath. That's all it is. So much power in sharing of stories. And then retell the stories of the tribe times that you've had together. That's all. Just go back and recount memories. So incredibly powerful. You're probably already doing this. Just take credit for it. And then new life, I can't even get into how we're going to use stories. We're totally changing how we're interacting with stories on Sunday mornings this coming year. So I'm going to put a plug in for the community update, which is next Sunday at 2 p.m. Come hear what we're doing with stories because we're changing our approach to maximize this idea that stories over time produce perspective. And then lastly, fun. <laughs> this should be fun. Fun over time produces connection. I don't know about you, but as we age, fun becomes more of like a um, special occasion. Is that, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're going to go have fun is a place that we like arrive to, as opposed to fun happens, happens as we're happening. Kids, though, they live in fun land. In fact, sometimes it can be hard to pull them out of fun land into like, please put your shoes on. Like, please. They live in fun land, but fun over time produces connection. And I don't know, um, sometimes when we get ourselves a little bit too serious, we think that God doesn't care too much about fun. So I want to show a couple of places where I see God saying, fun produces connection. Have fun for fun's sake. It does not have to be a teaching moment. It does not have to be a special occasion. 
fun for fun's sake produces connection. I see this, I'm so sorry if you don't like nature because I just keep bringing nature back into this thing. But nature has a play drive. Anybody got a dog? Did you have to teach your dog to play? Like, they play. I am two years into cat ownership for the first time ever. And those of you that, that live with cats, you know who is owning who in this two-year journey. <laughs> and uh, Charlie and I had a little battle last night about play. He thought that this really cute mole was going to make a very cute play toy inside of my house. And uh, you know me in nature. <laughs> I needed to save the mole. The mole was perfectly fine, not injured in the slightest. and didn't even seem traumatized. But Charlie was pretty sure that playtime was going to happen all the way past midnight and uh, chewed me out. <laughs> so his play drive is pretty strong. Dolphins, natural play drive. I mean, it's over and over and over again in God's natural world that play is part of it. And they are literally in, in nature, they are in fight or flight mode almost all the time. I'd like to show you my spirit animal and we're just gonna enjoy this. Go ahead and play this video. This is an otter. one minute and 33 seconds that we watched an otter video. Are you kidding me? Fun for fun's sake. It's totally okay. That is God in that otter saying, geez, even nature that has to worry about their next meal and their safety has play in it. I also think that God played with nature. Now, this is my opinion, but it to me, it is written all over nature. Did you know that there's 750 types of butterfly? just make one butterfly and put it everywhere like why do you need 750 there's 11,000 kinds of moths 11,000 I've grew with growing up I had a poster that these are all butterfly wings and it's the English alphabet somewhere written in butterfly wings across the globe I don't know I feel like if you're an infinite God with an infinite brain you just play like this why why God why did you make a platypus? I think God was playing. I think he was playing. Why? Why? The, what's the name of that thing in Turtle Talk with Crush? The, the current that flows? Disney quiz. Yep. Okay, now that's going to bother all of us. Why make underwater currents in the ocean? Why make a salmon that lives in fresh water and salt water? Why? plays fun for fun's sake is okay and maybe fun is not in the bible but all of its relatives are rejoice dance sing celebrate the fruit of the spirit is joy fun for fun's sake produces connection it reconnects what is disconnected it convinces a kid that we like them it fosters resilience that even when bad things happen there's always something to be laughed about and it authenticates forgiveness. When you've had a bump in the road relationally, the next time you find yourself belly laughing together, there's something cementing like, okay, good, we're okay. Fun authenticates forgiveness that we are bigger than that bump 
we just went through. So families, for applying this, just leverage the fun that you're having. Look for those little tiny moments to juggle rocks. Some of you, I know, are incredible at this little momentary two-second party. Influencers, initiate it. When you want to go out and talk deeply, do it while you're bowling. Like, instigate it. And new life, we're going to strategize it. There's serious things we're going to do to switch up what we're doing on Sunday mornings in order to strategize this fun. That's it. Those are the six things over time that produce a sense of worth and direction and perspective and connection and reconnection. Fun, words, tribes, stories. They're at our fingertips. We just need to leverage them. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.